Welcome to Catch the Fire Toronto's weekly sermon podcast. This message was recorded live at Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada. We hope you enjoy it. We are in a series this month uh, called The Upside Down Kingdom. And basically we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount of Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 where Jesus is introducing to his disciples and to the followers of, of, uh, of his uh, what the principles of heaven are. And in heaven, God's thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are greater than our ways. And so Jesus is introducing a new way of thinking, a new way of living, a new way of believing, and it's called the kingdom of God. And it goes right in the face of secular logic. And so that's what we're talking about all this month of a number of different axiomorons of things that are, we, seem, we think it's like this and God says it's like this and it's just, it's just turned right around. And so today, friends, we're gonna be talking about this concept of uh, give and it'll be given unto you. So it's just um, uh, a great, great passage. And this passage is actually uh, in both Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel. And in Luke, it says this, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It'll be poured into your lap. And, for, and with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. And friends, there can't be a more overt statement from Jesus about how incredible it is to be a giver than this passage. And Jesus is the one who's saying that if, if you give, and especially give in response to what God is speaking to you, that God's rewards are going to be there and they're going to be just pushed your way. There's no way to read this passage but to under, other than to understand that when we give, there's great blessing that comes back to us. Now, friends, can I just say that there's nothing in this passage about money? Most Bible scholars say that this is about money, but there's nothing in this passage that actually says money. It's talking about a lifestyle. It's talking about kingdom attitude, which is to be a giver, a giver of your time, a giver of your love, a giver of everything that you have, including your gifts, your talents, your abilities, and the money that God has entrusted to you. And if you are a follower of Jesus and you believe the concepts that the Bible teaches that everything that you have isn't yours, everything that you have isn't yours, if you believe that, then it's easy to be a giver because it's not ours. We're just stewards. We're passing on to other people, other ministries, other organizations, the finances that, that God's given to us, and we can be incredible stewards. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And friends, just wanted to give you an overview. This passage, this teaching of Jesus about give and you will be given to, is one of the, the most common uh, principles in the whole scripture, perhaps the most common talked about theme in all of the Bible is sowing and reaping. And I just want to read to you a few passages, and perhaps the strongest language of any of these comes from Galatians chapter 6. And here's what Paul the Apostle wrote, do not be deceived. That's a strong word right there. And then he repeats it, he says, God cannot be mocked. So you got two strong warnings about what he's going to say about something that is absolutely true is basically what Paul's trying to say. And here's the principle. A person reaps what they sow. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Basically, if you do what God says every single time, you get eternity and eternity rewards. If you do what you feel to do, 
you're probably not going to be a sower. You're probably not going to be a giver. You're going to be keeping for yourself. And then Paul encourages us, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, God's time, God's choosing, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. I love that. In God's timing, everyone who's a sower will become a reaper. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And a couple of the passages that talk about sowing and reaping, uh, Proverbs 22, whoever sows injustice reaps calamity, and the rod they yield in fury will be broken. As I've observed, Job chapter 4, verse 8, as I've observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. And a couple other ones, Philippians chapter 4, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I sent out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in this matter of giving and receiving, sowing and reaping, except you. And I, I just love, friends, the, the, the concept of this and perhaps the best story in the scripture, and we've referred to this several different times in our church family here, is the story of Isaac, Genesis 26, verse 12. Isaac planted crops in that year. That year was called the famine. Uh, the previous verses say that there's a famine on top of a famine. And Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. And friends, this is the concept throughout the scriptures that whenever the Lord speaks to us and says to be a giver of our time, of our finances, of our love, of our empathy, of whatever it is that God's asking us to be a giver of, if we do that, the Lord's blessing is going to be with us. And so friends, that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we do that, I have a little testimony from two of our Connect leaders, our small group leaders from our church. Their names are Jenny and Anna, and I'd like you to listen to their story right now. My name is Jenny Nagrat. This is my wife, Anna Jenny. Um, we are here to share a small testimony with you, just to you know, enrich everybody as you guys are going through a um, difficult time right now. Um, last year, around the same time, um, we almost hit bottom. Uh, we were trying to close one of our house and um, getting a mortgage was a really big challenge. And uh, uh, we, we've been going to church for a long time, but um, sometimes even though we know things here and there, but we sometimes we miss the important points. So we brought this uh, to our leaders to bring, you know, to pray for us and stuff. And um, there's one thing that um, especially um, Sandra Long mentioned to me, like uh, she asked me the question, um, are you guys putting the seed? Uh, even though we are doing everything like, you know, offering and all that, um, we don't specifically um, focus like putting a seed down, right? Or when she said that, it's clicked in my mind. I took that uh, into my heart and um, I put a certain amount of money toward as a seat to for the closing of the house um, after we did that within three weeks um, in the meantime we were just fighting going back with the builder to reduce the price because um, you know with the market down and the price is so high and a lot of people were struggling to close the house and um, after three weeks we got the new good news that um, 
they were willing to reduce $100,000 from the purchase price. And that was a big surprise. And um, from that time, uh, two weeks time later, we were able to get the mortgage because the price went down. Um, that was a that was really, really a miracle that we didn't expect that because we were fighting to close this house for more than one year. And um, as we go through this um, financial situation and struggle, and it was a big challenge, but that I took that one word that she asked me uh, whether I put a seat uh, towards whatever I wanted to do. So we did that and, uh, you know, God opened the door and it was, uh, was a great blessing, blessing and um, we closed our house last year December 18, 18. and sh shortly after that um, there's always sometime you know challenges there but God is always there to you know bless us and um, after that we had a small car accident and um, my car totally right off <laughs> and um, you know we closed the house, there was a blessing and then and a car accident and um, so we went to church and we were praying and uh, Rob McIntosh praying for me for about that accident and um, for, you know, in a healing and he specifically said, uh, God want to bless you with uh, another car, brand new car. So, <laughs> week after that, I, had, I got a new house and a new car, which is okay. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. So, going from there. It was a good journey and um, it was our long, long um, desire that we want to um, operate a restaurant, like we want to do our own business and stuff. So we were praying about that for a long, long time. And um, this year, um, one after the other, because, you know, when we do things right and God will always see your heart and he will always bless you. So this year we were able to purchase or close a deal for a restaurant. Uh, it's a pizza restaurant. Uh, I'm not sure whether I can mention the name, so I don't want to mention the name. So we were able to close the deal. And uh, right now she's the owner of the restaurant and we are working together. And uh, it's really good blessing. And, um, you know, it was a great, great time. Um, and we are just happy, happy to be in the church and, you know, blessing after blessing and, you know, like, we just want to encourage you. Uh, you may be going through struggle and a tough time, but um, a lot of people even ask me the question, is it the right time for you to buy the restaurant? And because with the pandemic, everything going down, a lot of people are closing their business. We prayed and God giving us a strong word and we believe in those words and we close the deal. And the business is going very well. It's going very well mm -hmm. and every day morning my wife will go and pray over all over the cash cash registration and uh, um, what's it called the pizza oven everything we put uh, oil and we pray and um, within three weeks we got good result after, after we took over within three weeks um, the rating uh, or the customer review was really low on that location particularly but within three weeks, the review was so good and we are getting a lot of um, comments about how we are making the pizza and how tasty it is and all that comments. And it's all glory to God glory and to a God. blessing. And just want to encourage anybody there struggling, thinking that, you know, uh, you have to battle every time. No, it's not like that. You know, believe in God and put your seed down. And whenever you offer, give the offering to God, 
God will always bless you and you will lack nothing. Bless you guys. Bless Amen. you guys. Friends, I love that story. And as Jenny and Anna shared, uh, they basically have just preached my sermon. I'm just now going to give you the Bible passages that they talked about. But God spoke to them and said to be a giver. And I don't know if you heard it, friends. $100,000 off of a house. That usually doesn't happen, friends. That's a God thing. A new car and buy a business in a lockdown year. Uh-huh. And friends, the principle, if I can really say it simply, is that as followers of Jesus, we believe what God speaks to us. We believe it. And believing is not just thinking about it, it's doing it. That's what faith is, friends, is the acting on what God speaks. So we're going to go to a passage now, and if you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to have it up on the, um, on the video for you to be able to watch. But we're going to look at some of the insights that Paul says and how to be a kingdom giver. So now we are talking about money in this passage. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, here's what Paul says. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly, and he's going to use the word sow and give back and forth. So we're not just thinking about uh, like a seed kind of offering, but we're just talking about being a giver in general here. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. And each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. This is what, after God has spoken to your spirit and you know in your heart, this is what God's saying, you need to decide to give that not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves when you say yes to him instantly, right away. And your reward is this, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all times, sorry, in all things and in all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And as it is written in the Old Testament, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed. So who are we talking about now here? We're talking about God. Father God who's able to supply you with resources to be a giver. I don't know how we can lose on this one, friends. It's like we don't even have to have the resources to be a giver. If our heart's intent is to be a giver, this passage is now saying that God gives us the head start. God gives us something that we can begin to be investing in others and be blessing ministries, blessing individuals. So here's what it says again. Now he, now Father God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in every way, friends. Not just in your finances. Potentially this is talking about your health. Potentially this is talking about your relationships that God's able to bless you in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So friends, one little principle that's in here, and I just want you to hear this. Jesus and Paul are not saying that we give to get. They are absolutely saying that we give to get so that we can keep on being a giver. The idea is that we just are living in a lifestyle I give, God blesses, I give, and because God's blessed, I can give more the next time. 
That's what we're talking about. And friends, this goes absolutely against our secular mindset, and that's why it's a kingdom mindset, because the principles are from heaven, and they work. And we just had a testimony from Jenna and Anna to say it's worked in their lives. So here's some principles, friends, real, real quick. Oh, sorry, let me keep going. This service, and friends, I like this. God is saying that if you become a giver, and especially in your finances, God calls it a service to him. We're helping God, not just helping ourselves, helping God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. And because of the service by which you've proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. And five principles real quick, friends. Number one is give what the Lord speaks to your heart to give. That's where it starts. God speaks and every person who's a follower of Jesus goes, yes, sir, happy to do that. It's my joy to do that because God has spoken. And as our Father in heaven, we value what he says and we believe what he says. Number two is live expectantly that God's in control. Does God own the cattle on the thousand hills? Yes, everyone knows that. So the question for Steve Long is, do I believe that about the finances that God has entrusted me with? Do I believe that everything that I have, all the finances I have, all the blessing assets that I have, my car, my house, everything that I have, do I believe that that's part of God's blessing to me? And if the answer is yes, and God then says, some of the things that I'm stewarding on his behalf, could I give away? I, would, I have to refer now to principle number one, and that is it's gonna be a yes. And friends, this is just one of the, the breakthroughs that Sandra and I have had the privilege of, of doing, is to learn that these principles are true, and if God's in control, God's gonna look after all the, the tomorrows. God's gonna live after, look after the next days. And so, like most of us, at Catch the Fire, we go through a progression. We learn to give away $20. We learn to give away $100. We learn to give away $1,000. We give, learn to give away $10,000, whatever it is. And friends, I've already said this, but uh, Sandra and I at one point got asked to, to give away $100,000, and we did that without having the money. And I've given away cars, and I've had twice in Sandra and I's life, we've had a gift back to us of $100,000, twice. And we've been given cars. And it's friends, this is the, the principle, is that as we're giving, we understand that God is in control. And so I don't have to sweat the issues, friends. I just need to know God spoke. I believe it. I've had witnesses affirm it, especially if you're, you're really freaking out. You need to go to two or three witnesses, which is a Bible principle, to be sure about every directional word. Listen to what God says. Do what he says. And be expectant that God's in control. And number three, following on that, is expect that you're going to be receiving. Expect that when you honor the Lord, do what he says, that he's going to keep his command. Friends, this isn't my command. This is God's command. This is Jesus' own words. Give, and it'll be given to you. Not just a little bit, but pressed down, flowing over in your lap, etc. Number four is your giving meets people's needs. 
it causes other people to be thankful and the people that you give to become your personal intercessors. And friends, I love this. When, when people give money to Sandra and I, and it happens on a regular basis, sometimes it's uh, $5 at the, at the church door, like we're shaking hands coming in and people leaving. And sometimes people give me 100 and sometimes it's more, more than that. And often they'll say, can you pray about this? Can you pray about this? And it's a big yes. Of course I'm going to be motivated to pray for them. And the people that Sandra and I give, and we say, well, we're sowing into your life right now because we have a need. Could you pray with us? And they have a big smile. They've got a check in their hand, and they have a big smile on their face and going, yes, I can partner with you for your breakthrough. And I love this. And Paul's saying this is just a practical way that we bless other people and how the Lord helps us and blesses us. And number five, the lifestyle of being a giver is called by God a special gift. Paul talks about it as an indescribable gift. Now, friends, I don't know how you describe an indescribable gift. Paul's struggling with words here, but he's saying there's something supernatural about being in a lifestyle of being a giver. And, friends, I, I'm not trying to be boastful, but I think Sandra and I are at the early stages of that, which means that you just can't understand how it works, but it works. You just can't sort of figure it out in your head. Remember, friends, the kingdom of God is upside down. It's not supposed to be logical. It's supposed to be supernatural. And Paul says that when you and I become a giver, and again, friends, we're not just talking about money today. We're talking about every aspect of, of your life, my life. When we become a giver... We reflect God. John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave. And what did he give? He gave the best that he had. He gave his only begotten son, his one and only son. And friends, this is God's heart that we join him and become like him and we become givers. Well, a couple more passages or uh, just, sorry, not before. I've got one more story to read. But before we get there, friends, here's a little concept. If you're a follower of Jesus and you know that God has spoken to you, why don't you do what he says? Why don't followers of Jesus, why doesn't Steve Long want to give? And Sandra and I had a situation uh, just this past week. We were talking with one of our staff uh, about someone who lost their job and uh, uh, the thought was, can we do something for that? And one of us in the room, I won't say who, <laughs> one of us in the room said, well, I don't know that we can afford to do that. We don't have money in the bank for that. And friend, I just, my first re response was to, to nicely rebuke the person and to say, never, 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 never make a decision based on your bank balance. Never make a decision based on your ba bank balance if God has spoken absolutely make a decision based on your bank balance when God hasn't spoken. Absolutely do that. But when God speaks, God's principles now override logic. And again, so this is why it's very important that you learn how to hear God's voice. And if you're watching and going, well, this is all brand new to me, can I encourage you, uh, find Mark, uh, Dr. Mark Verkler on YouTube and take his course called Hearing God's Voice, or sometimes it's called Communion with God. Take that, learn how to be a hearer of God's word because that moves you into the supernatural realm. That moves you into the principles that we're talking about today. So four quick little things, friends, of why followers of Jesus say no. If you've ever said these words, 
Get what you can, can what you get, and guard the can. Friends, that's called the poverty spirit. And I remember John Bootsma, he used to be one of our pastors here in Toronto, and he comes from a Dutch background, and he was teasing his fellow Dutch people that day. And this was, he said, a very Dutch quote. Get what I can, can what I get, guard the can. Friends, another word for that is poverty spirit. I don't think that I've got enough to be generous. You've succumbed to a poverty spirit. We're not talking demons here, friends. We're talking about your spirit has been contaminated that you can't respond to the spirit of God. And here's another little phrase. This is mine and not yours. I worked hard for this. You get your own. Well, friends, the Bible calls that selfishness. Here's another one. I don't have enough. I need more. I can't afford to be generous. If you find these words coming out of your mouth, friends, that's called greed. Number four, I don't know what tomorrow holds for me, so I better be prepared. And friends, that's called fear. And I've got good news, friends. I've just said these things real quick. All this week on our social media posts where we have little devotionals every day, I'm going to take one whole day, I think it's starting uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, to talk about these four things. I want to encourage you to listen every day. It's about a five-minute little devotional on our Instagram and on our Facebook page. And just go deeper in all the things that we're talking about today. Friends, one last passage before we, before we finish up today. Early on in the Bible, God spoke to two brothers, Cain and Abel. And there was a strong, strong warning that was given to Cain. So here's the passage, Genesis chapter 4, verse 2. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. So we got two brothers. One is a farmer, and one is a rancher. One has sheep and goats, it would appear, flocks. And the other has wheat, carrots, corn, don't know exactly, but he's a, he's a farmer, works the soil. And in verse 3, it says this. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. But the Lord looked with favor, sorry, favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So this raises a very good question. If God has spoken to these two guys, two brothers, and it would appear that he's, it's not in the scriptures, but he asked them to give an offering, and both gave an offering, why is one have favor? Why does, why does Cain, sorry, why does Abel have favor and Cain not have favor? That would be a very good question. And here's what God spoke because Cain asks God. Cain starts grumbling and God starts speaking to him. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And the Lord spoke to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, uh-huh, so he's just not done something right. What is it that Cain hasn't done right? We're going to talk about that in just a moment because the passage says it. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. And friends, here's this principle, is that when God speaks to us and asks us to do things and we don't do what God says, Satan is right around us waiting for us to say no to God. And when we say no to God, Satan just pounces, jumps in in our life and begins to do the three things that Jesus said that he was going to do. Satan comes to steal, 
kill, and destroy. He's ready to pounce on every single one of us. And Jesus said, I came to, have, to give life and to give it abundantly, overflowing, pressed down, shaken. Friends, that's what we're talking about right here. We're talking about a life of being a giver of which Jesus was reflecting his father. And here in this passage, at the very beginning of mankind, God is teaching Cain and Abel a lesson about being a life, having a lifestyle of a giver. And then the, the sad summary is this. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they're in the field, Cain attacked his brother and Abel killed him. And friends, the tragedy of this passage is that someone lost their life because someone said no. Cain said no to God, didn't do what God said. Sin was right there. Satan was right there to pounce on him and it would appear that he gave in to that. He, instead of doing what was right, did wrong. So friends, let's go back, and I want you to look at this passage with me, and you'll see what Abel did right and what Cain did wrong. It would appear again, the Lord says, to give an offering. In verse 3, it says this about Cain, in the course of time. What does that mean, friends? It means that Cain waited until he'd had a full harvest. He'd waited until all of his crops had come in before he decided what he was going to give. To put that today, when you hear about a need and you go and look in your, your wallet or your purse and you've got a $5 bill and a $10 bill and a $20 bill, is that how you make your decision about how to be a giver when God's asked you to give 100 And you go, well, I can't do it right now. And here's a man that God spoke to. It appears to be God spoke to him and said to give now and he gives in the course of time. And look what it does, says about Abel. Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. He did not wait. Immediately he gave. Before he knows how many, how many lambs are going to be born. He gave right away. And so friends, this is a principle that, that, uh, packs, sorry, that backs up what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. When God speaks, we're a doer and we're a doer right away. That's how we get the blessing of God is by valuing his voice, listening to his voice, doing what he says right away. And so there's this terrible, terrible warning. So friends, we want to pray for you. And uh, just for those of you that are all watching online right now, especially those of you live, in just a second, I'm going to give you the website where you can go to have, have some of our wonderful prayer ministry team minister to you, pray with you, agree with you in prayer this morning. But two things to pray with you. So first of all, Paul said that being able to live a lifestyle of giving is an indescribable gift. Hands up if you'd like to have that gift. And my hand is high in the air. If God calls this, an sorry, Paul says this is an indescribable gift. This is more than you can fathom. This is something that's an incredible gift from God is to have a lifestyle of being a giver. I want in. And if you do too, how about you say this prayer with me and it's on the screen right now. Jesus, I'd like to live in this lifestyle. Please give me this gift. Please allow me to be led by your spirit at all times and in all circumstances. How about you just close your eyes with me? So daddy, that's what, I really want that, Father God. I really want that. I'd like to have you speak to me so that I can respond. I'd like to learn how to be bold. 
I'd like to learn how to not think secular thoughts, but to think, think, think kingdom thoughts every single time. I want to get into this mystical, amazing, supernatural, heaven-sent kingdom and live in these values of never worrying about tomorrow, never worrying about, well, my bank account doesn't seem to be able to fit it right now. I want to be in this indescribable kingdom. Just talk to Jesus right now. Say, Jesus, I want in. I want in. This is how I want to live the rest of my life. A follower of you, listening to your voice, trusting you, and doing what you say when you say to do it. Help me to get in, in Jesus' name. And friends, the second thing that we're going to pray right now is the warning that God gave to Cain. And that is that we have to fight. We have to fight to keep Satan back because every time we say a no to God, sin is crouching. It's ready to pounce. Satan is ready to rob us and steal us, steal from us all the things that God has in store for us. And sadly, Cain didn't listen to God and he reaped a terrible harvest. He reaped a terrible harvest. Satan was all over his life for the rest of his days. And friends, the, the, the good news is that we can respond to this warning and we can say, I don't want to be like, like Cain. I'd like to be like Abel. So we've got another prayer for you to read with me. So let's read this prayer together. Jesus, I want to always do what is right. I want to always listen to your voice and trust you with the results. I choose not to reap from Satan. I choose to reap from my heavenly Father. So close your eyes, friends, one more time. Holy Spirit, would you help us? When there's that battle that takes place, should I be a giver? Can I afford to be a giver? What's gonna happen? My job's on the line. All these thoughts that challenge the word of the Lord that came to me. I choose to listen to my father. I understand that when I say no, that I've just opened myself up for the demonic all around me to begin to mess my life. And I say, no, I do not want that. How about you say that in your own words? I do not want Satan messing with my life. I choose to listen to my daddy, believe what he says, I choose to be a giver today. Holy Spirit, may I reap an incredible harvest. And church family, I know that many, many, many of you live this way. I know that many of you have taken bold steps because you've heard from God. And even as we heard from Jenny and Anna today, like to give when you're struggling but to get the breakthroughs that they did, a $100,000 reduction on their house and a new car, opening a business. Friends, that's the supernatural taking place. And for those of you who've sowed and you haven't had your harvest yet, remember that passage says that in due time, you will reap a harvest. And so I just speak that over you and say, you're in line for God to bless you. God chooses the time, friends, when we get blessed. I don't choose the time. God chooses the time because God's got everything planned for my life. He has everything in his order. He knows what's best for me when it's best for me. 
and he knows that for you. And so, Father God, I bless our church family. I bless all of our friends watching all over the world right now. And I bless you to reap at the right time. And I bless you to have a lifestyle of being generous all of your days. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope you encounter God and were inspired by this message today. To watch video of this message and other messages from Catch the Fire in Toronto, visit catchthefire.tv. Catch the Fire has churches, schools, events, missions and media all around the world. To find out more, visit catchthefire.com.